Hi, I'm Pete. I'm an IT manager slash superhero. Pete, bad news. Uh, what happened? I put a very expensive latte on top of my car, drove off, and it spilled. It's bad. How's that my problem? Oh, my laptop was up there, too. <laughs> uh, okay, that's why we use connection services to manage our cloud. Everything's backed up. I can access your stuff remotely. You won't miss a meeting. I really wanted that latte, Pete. For hardware, software, support, and empathy. For Pete's sake, connect with connection. Hi, I'm Pete. I'm an IT manager slash superhero. Pete, bad news. Uh, what happened? I put a very expensive latte on top of my car, drove off, and it spilled. It's bad. How's that my problem? Oh, my laptop was up there, too. <laughs> uh, okay, that's why we use connection services to manage our cloud. Everything's backed up. I can access your stuff remotely. You won't miss a meeting. I really wanted that latte, Pete. For hardware, software, support, and empathy. For Pete's sake, connect with connection. Ryan Ray and Ben Samuels present Bring in the Closers, a podcast on making deals and doing business. Welcome to episode five of Bring in the Closers, Ryan Ray, alongside the one, the only, Ben Samuels. Ben, how's it going today, sir? It's going fantastic. I'm just stoked to be on the podcast with somebody that's got a top 20 all-time podcast. <laughs> Pretty amazing. I'll tell you, I, you know, I'm just, I'm just lucky to be in the room. Uh, I'm, fe- I'm feeling grateful today, Ryan. I'm, fe- I'm feeling grateful. That's all I got to say. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. Shots are being fired. What was, what was transpiring off air has gone to on air, which leads me to a little behind the scenes, Ben. I want to do a little behind the scenes today before we have our guest, Robert, Robert Martinez. And... For the listeners out there, you might be looking at the artwork. And the artwork, we haven't really explained that. Let's kind of explain it. Bringing the closers is a baseball reference. And the artwork has uh, two people, um, one Samuels, one's Ray. And they have numbers, 52 and 9. And I thought we should tell the people where we get the numbers from. And the reality is, is that we put our close rates on there. So 52% to 9%. And so it was, uh, <laughs> it's a uh, case folks were wondering where that came up with. That's That's where it was. Um, and nine also, I think represents the amount of deals you've closed all time. It just happens to be your percentage as well. Works out well for you. Um, anyways, so we had a, uh, a, we talked about this like before making the numbers and I thought that we had come out of a hundred instead of doing 90, I just cut the zero and put nine and you put 52 for a 52%. I, I, sorry. I guess we got our wires crossed. That's on I me. thought, I thought, yeah, I thought we did too. Cause I thought yours was 0.09% close rate, but whatever. We'll, we'll call it nine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right all right by the way for the listeners uh if you're not on linkedin and you're not connected with ryan uh, ryan and i i'd advise you, you get on there and, and connect um because i'm sure there's going to be pieces of this podcast that i'll be misquoted on but they'll be posted uh, on uh, on next week's uh feed uh, of, of ryan's so make sure that you key in on that you, you don't want to miss it Oh, we do have a review coming in, our first review, so we're very thankful for that. Kyle Peters, who we both are connected with on LinkedIn, and he says it in the review, five-star review, following both Ryan and Ben on LinkedIn. I've been looking forward to this podcast since it was announced. Great insight here and looking forward to more episodes. Thank you, Kyle. And Kyle is one of Ben's six LinkedIn connections, so double thanks, Kyle, for being there for Ben when he needs you most. Actually, hot update since last week, since I was at six, I'm now at eight. So he's one of eight now. I'm I'm moving in the right direction. You almost have, hey, nine will represent your LinkedIn connections next week. This podcast is like taking my reach from here to like just new, <laughs> new levels. I am telling you. I, it. 
Well, it's it's good we we do what we can around here. Um, as we said, we have on a guest Ben. This week, real quick, let's talk about where we're going to be at. We're going to be at Midland. The Produce Water Society will have a conference. I know we'll be in and out of that. We have meetings. Um, now, last week, we talked about Nate not releasing the episode until the presidential 2020 election. He was able to beat that deadline, and he got it out. Um, hopefully, he'll get this out before we're out of Midland this week. But if that if that is the case, and Nate, um, for some reason, decides to start doing his job, thank you, Nate, uh, then... You know, you hear this podcast, reach out to us, Ben, and uh, we have some spots available for meetings, I believe. We do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and I guess all it takes is uh, is to call Nate out, and he, uh, he'll get stuff done. I mean, all you got to do is, is call him out on the podcast, and, uh, well, I mean, he doesn't edit it properly because he leaves the stuff in, but, you know, what are you going to do? You, you got to take the good with the bad, I guess, but we're, we're moving in the right direction. You can't have it all. You can't have it all. But Nate did get that done. Also, we do have a bat line, if you will. If you want to leave a voicemail, a text for a question for Ben or myself, 682-422-4105. That's a lot to remember. That will be in the show notes, or you can find it at bringintheclosers.com. You can find it there as well. Um, okay. Ben, you said you had a surprise for me, so let's hear it. What's the surprise? It's actually kind of a letdown since we talked on air for a few minutes and you didn't say anything about it. But if you notice, I, uh, it's like Samson with his hair, you know, you know, the, the Bible story, like the, uh, Samson with the long hair and he gets the hair cut and he loses his powers. Mm-hmm. I feel like, so on days when I shave my beard, cause I, I don't know if you can tell on air, but, I, but I shaved it down pretty good on days that, that I do that. I feel, I do feel weaker. So I don't feel like I'm on my, uh, my a game today, but the good news is that this thing grows back pretty quick, and so by the time you see me tomorrow, it might be back. It might take a few more days, but that that, that was it. it. It was kind of a, you know, just a little bit, little something. Unfortunately, the people that are listening can't see it, but uh, I can't tell you how many times. I'll, I'll just say, I can't tell you how many times, how frequently at conferences or around Midland or around Denver or what have you, somebody will just randomly stop me that haven't met before, and they notice me and, and recognize the beard. And so now that I don't have it, I'm hoping that uh, people know who I am and uh, – want to still talk to me i'm just hoping people see you on your a game that would be nice for once to see that so that's good to that's good to know wow that's wow good to know. shots fired okay hey you know i just do the best i can right we can't we can't all be on the ryan ray level okay i'm just trying to do the best i can no no that's uh that's that's good that you shaved your beard and um you will allow me some airtime this week it's good to know it's uh, it's interesting. Um, ben, let me see here. I had a question for you. And I thought about this some last week. And before we get Robert on, just kind of get your your, your thoughts on this, because we don't really have a, a planned episode. We didn't do a lot of show prep this week, as you might can tell. Um, I wonder who to blame. I No idea, but let's just, we'll let the listeners figure that out. At what point? You're going to meet with someone. You're going to close a deal. Uh, or, or pitch a deal, whatever. How do you transition from the formal email to either text or informal email? What What is it? Is it age? Is it gut feeling? What is it that lets you go, you know what? I think at this point now, I can now text this person, um, including on and off hours. Email, a formal email, I think is acceptable at all hours because everyone kind of understands that. But informal email or text, that's kind of French territory. At what point do you feel like you can then enter that world with someone before you've gotten a deal done with them? 
I generally let the other person dictate the, the lines of communication and, and the frequency and medium, et cetera. And so I probably, and you know, I'd love to hear some feedback from you as well on this, because that's something that I think, I think it kind of comes down to each individual person's communication style, but then also kind of how they address these things. But, you know, I'm generally not going to be the first one to send a text. Um, I generally, and as you, as you've probably seen, I mean, most of my emails are, are pretty formal or, or, or I like to, uh, you know, be pretty, pretty professional. I really don't wade into the unprofessional or just kind of, you know, couple word email waters too often, unless I, you know, I have that relationship. Cause, cause I think it's important to, you know, to be, be a professional and, and, you know, have respect for people's times and respect for people's boundaries. Uh, you know, that being said, you know, if, if a client calls me on, you know, weekday at 9.30 PM, uh, and I'm available, you know, I'm going to pick up the phone and we're going to talk. And then, you know, if I have something that I need to run by them, you know, later on down the road in the deal, you know, I probably have the same fairway to, to call them, you know, off hours as well, because it's obvious that, you know, that, that that's okay. Um, general strict deadline or strict guidelines. Um, I never, I'm never going to call somebody and pick up the phone unless I know for some reason that they're available and, and, and want to uh, talk to me, et cetera. I'm not ever going to talk to somebody or call someone prior to 9am central. And then similarly, I generally am not going to reach out to anybody unless there's a specific reason or unless I have a, a you know, some reason to believe that it's okay after like 7:30 p.m. and so I kind of stay within those ranges because you know outside that that's family time and and then also similarly I generally am not going to reach out to somebody on the weekends unless again unless they initiate that contact. Yeah, I think it depends on um, for me the level, and I'm using the word desperation here. I don't know if that's the right word, but the level of des of um, desperation to get in the contact. So, you know, if I'm talking to someone, and it's very formal email or it's through. Um, call during work hours and we have either um, some kind of milestone coming up or it's just at the point where I'm not sure if they're interested or not. At that point, I will kind of escalate it to maybe a text. Um, I don't, I won't go after hours phone calls or stuff like that. If, if, if I'm you know kind of concerned that this may be um, going uh, wayward, if you will. Um, but for me, that's kind of the first indicator is if things are going good, um, naturally it seems like in today's environment, it will eventually lead to a text because, and, and I'll set this up sometimes, you know, formal email, formal email, formal email. Uh, you might have a lunch or dinner text message. Hey, I'm here at the restaurant. Well, now I've opened that texting door through a natural means that that's not intrusive. It's still professional. Just letting them know, but that sometimes opens the door. Um, on the flip side, if I can, if, if, if it's not going well, I'm trying to make sure that things are, um, you know, things are progressing. I have to presume on some level, this person is getting hundreds and hundreds of emails a day. They're busy. And so I need to, to use your phrase, cut to the noise. And so I might send a text as, Hey, uh, Ben, been trying to reach you, everything okay, or you know, whatever it might say. Um, that's kind of the, the two general paths that I take to transition from something formal to a little bit more informal. Um, and the final thing I'll say is if it's Hail Mary desperation time, and I've used this before and it's actually worked. Um, I called a client one time, they were going to give us some work, didn't answer. Called, they didn't answer. I was riding the truck with someone, said, so Give me your phone, got his phone, called the person. I'm talking. 30 seconds, different number, person answered. Hey, how's it going? You know, <laughs> and you could tell when they answered, they realized I'd got him, you know, like, oh, wow, he, he got me. But what happened was we went to work for him a week later. The person was just so busy that he knew that when, when he got me on the phone, it was going to take 
five minutes to kind of work through the three or four things. Um, but once I got him, it was fun. And at that point for us, though, it was a deal where we weren't even sure that this was going to happen. We had to get this phone call done. And if it didn't get done, it probably was going to fall apart. So for me, it was at the point where if we don't talk to him, if he he's not answering, he's not responding, if I can't get him now, we're probably never going to do it. But that was kind of Hail Mary last case scenarios. And I've tried that other times. It had to work. It, just, it has worked as well. I think a great point that you made is texting can be used, and to a certain degree, uh, phone calls, I guess, as well. But texting can be used to kind of shake it up a little bit in the sense that if you're emailing back and forth and there's something pressing that needs to be addressed or, you know, yeah, they they went radio silent or something actionable happened that, you know, that's outside the scope. Uh, like you said, that you know, uh, I, I'm a good example. I'm sure you're the same way. I mean, things get lost in email sometimes, and and you know, there's there are times where somebody will email me or call me, you know, weeks after we discuss something, and they'll say, "Hey, I'm just following up on X, Y, or Z." And in the back of my head, to be honest with you, my first thought is, you know, why did it take you a month to reach back out to me? Because you know, there are times where I just need someone to bump something back up to the top of my inbox, and I don't take that that the wrong way. And and I think that if you do it with respect and you're not blowing somebody up you know, every six hours or every single day. But I mean, having that, that fairway, again, I, I love using that phrase, but having that ability to approach someone and just kind of be like, listen, you know, we were talking about this, you know, where are you on this? You know, there's a lot of times just like that, you know, like your example about the phone call. I mean, there's times where I will, I won't answer a phone call because I know if I pick it up, it's going to take more time than I have at that moment. And then the, se- the secondary kind of unfortunate part of that is that there are times where I forget to call that person back. And so unless they take the initiative to pick up the phone again and call me or email me or text me, it, it might fall off my plate. And, and so, and that's just a function of business. I mean, I, I don't think that that's a commentary on workflow for you and I. I don't think that that's a commentary on on taking on too much. I think that there's just sometimes, you know, I'll, I'll be sitting in a meeting at a random time during the day and I just simply can't pick up the phone at that time because it's not conducive to what I'm doing. But that doesn't mean that that contact isn't super important, right? And so that you there, and I know I kind of went off on a tangent there, but, but to bring it back. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that you know, coming back to something that I said, I believe it was episode one or two. One of the other things that I'm thinking about in that context is always, like I mentioned, I'm tuned into that radio station, W I I F M what's in it for me. And so I need to understand, you know, why am I reaching out to the person? What am I asking of them? And what's actionable, like what are the different ways that this can go? And if I can present the communication, whether by text or email or what, what have you, with that prism in mind, what I try to do a lot of times to kind of navigate what we're talking about is I will intentionally think through the different roadblocks and different avenues that someone, like the different things that someone else may be thinking. And in my email, I'll say, okay, so here's what we're looking at. If you think X, here's what we can do. If you think Y, here's what you can do. If you think Z, here's what you can do. Respond back to me how you want to take next steps and we'll move forward. Because then that that just allows them to like pick one of the options and then puts the ball back in my court, which I'm happy with. I'm comfortable with that, right? And so, it's, right. And so I mean, what, what do you think about that? No, I think that's great. And uh, the final thing I'll say is one of the things I've learned, email is really hard to track because you get you know all these subscriptions you're subscribed to. It's hard to do it with email. But with text, one of the things I do regularly is if I'm looking for a guest or uh, if I'm looking for um, someone to connect with on various things, I'll say, hey, you know, I'll scroll through my text messages to look back. Who have I not called? Who have I not contacted? Who have I not done? Who have I not you know, reached out to? And in that, I find the occasional text that I overlooked. So by me trying to be proactive to dig up old leads or, or whatnot, I will find 
um, an old an old con an old text that I happen to look up, and I always leave on read receipts because it puts the pressure on, on my text message at least. It puts the pressure on me to make sure that I do respond to them um, because the read receipt they saw that I read it. So I know that uh, we're, we're pressing up against the time that uh, we're going to have Robert coming on, but but no, I, I think that's actually something that I want to kind of put an earmark in, and let's come back to the read receipts thing because I, I uh, you posted something a couple of weeks back on LinkedIn, and I think I ended up commenting on it, but but I I want to talk to that uh, to you a little bit more about that because I think that's an interesting take as well. I've known for uh, maybe maybe about a year now, and uh, I consider him a friend. I hope he considers me, me a friend. Robert Martinez, who's the president and CEO at Titan Rock Exploration and Production. Robert, how's it going today, sir? It is going great. It's a Monday morning. I don't know when this is going to be put out, but it's uh, Monday morning and gas prices are low, oil prices are low, and we're trying to make the best of it. <laughs> yeah, the prices are definitely not where folks want them at. Um, let's just kind of take it here, 30,000 foot view before we kind of get into some uh, A&D uh, discussion. Um uh, obviously, I said tight rock exploration and production, but who is that? What do you guys do? And uh, obviously, nothing, no trade secrets, nothing, but just kind of 30,000 foot view uh, for the folks who aren't familiar with you guys. So, Titan Rock ENP was started in 2017, and uh, we're primarily a conventional operator with a uh, focus in the lower 48. Uh, what we've discovered is that we've had some success picking up some assets. Uh, with an underwriting it for a conventional vertical type play in unconventional locations. The team we have here has got a background in horizontal drilling as well as grindy, blocking and tapping conventional assets. And so we have a pretty good skill set. And, uh, you know, we're out there chasing the market, trying to acquire and grow. We've picked up a couple assets in East Texas, North Louisiana. So that's kind of our foothold right now. But, uh, you know, we're looking for liquids, and um, and I think right now in this price environment, it's a good time to buy. You know, obviously, some people may wince when I say that because good deals are to be had in low prices and high prices. If you got a great operational team or uh, some uh, some guys who know what they're doing, then you can cut a good deal in high prices as well. Yeah, and that's you know we were talking about that some last week when I was in your office. Is that um, you know the the market right now? And I think you said that you, I can't remember who it was. You you had just met with someone. They said the market, the Andy market right now, the minerals market is is you had like this maybe nineteen eighty. I can't remember how you describe it. Um, you've been in this business and, and quick quick side note is me and Robert met last year, but we actually worked on a project like back in two thousand twelve or something together. Didn't even know each other, so we've kind of come across each other in various circles over the time, but you've been in this business for quite some time. Um, what is the state of the market now from your perspective and what are you hearing on the street? So, you know, from a general market perspective, execution operation, we're in uncharted territory. You know, you see the oil shell and gas shell booms taken off. We're in kind of uncertain time from an A and D perspective. It's the same thing. Um, there's a lot of folks not wanting to transact, not wanting to move. The, the market's a little volatile. The prices move up and down quite a bit. So it's very hard to pin down uh, a value and, and make a transaction happen. So we're actually seeing pretty healthy deal flow. However, the closings are down significantly over the last two, three years. It's getting harder and harder to, to do. You're seeing some of these major companies get these deals done, like Covey Park, Comstock, Osaka, Sabine, some of the big guys, because you know, it's, it's accretive to where they're at. It's a scale, you know, they're, they're in it for the long haul. So, you know, we're, what we're seeing is a lot of quality of the assets on the market that are pretty poor. Some of them that are laden with inactive wells or grim marketing or midstream contracts. So it's a very interesting time. Um, some of the investors are pretty skittish right now. We met with a company last week who, who's in the long game that, uh, that 
raises a big fund and goes out there and execute. Their cost of capital is important, and they're having a tough time even raising money. Uh, the environment right now, as far as politically and, and just from a general sentiment of the investment community, you know, oil and gas is just not sexy right now. Um, but however, almost all these endowments and all these funds have a, a toe in it at some point or another, and they'd like to get some more of it. They're just a little skittish right now. So that's kind of the, the long and short of it from an acquisition side of it. You know, I always find it really interesting, Robert, uh, when looking at these uh, different uh, mineral buying and, and EMP firms, um, you know, and you just alluded to it a little bit. Uh, a lot of these firms, you know, they have, you know, their model is two to three years and then, you know, then exit. Some are five years and exit. Some, you know, some of these are, are eight to 10 years and exit. Uh, and then, you know, when you couple that private equity money and those, you know, that model with, you know, returns on the street and, and you're talking about like Wall Street return on investment and those those kind of terms, there seems to be to me a major divide in, in the economics of how these things are looked at and how these things are valued, whether you are, you know, an in-house um, and, an, you know, an investor uh, or like, you know, like you mentioned, like a Kofi Park and you're, you know, a, a shareholder at one of these majors or you're, you know, an equity partner in, in, in you know, that side, do you kind of see that same divide in, because I'm seeing a lot of times, or right now I'm seeing on the street, there's, a, uh, you, you mentioned there's significantly less deal flow in it, and I would definitely agree. And I think that a lot of that has to do with hesitation with firms that are trying to get into the market, but the, but the price just isn't, isn't right and isn't, and the market isn't conducive to making an entry unless, like you mentioned, you're a major. But on the other side, a lot of these firms, you're, it's really just a cash flow model. You need to accrue as much cash flow as possible to make the investors happy. And that doesn't allow you to really plan for the three, five, 10 year horizon. Do you, uh, well, what, what do you think about that? Well, what's happened essentially is that with the resurgence of the private equity backed teams, most everyone's looking for a three and out, you know, three year flip. Uh, and what they like to do is get uh, spooch up above or right next to a major company like Chevron or Exxon and lease around it, build a position, start with postage stamps and start scaling from there. And then they, they look for a three-year flip. Well, these major companies got all they, got all they need. You know, they've already, they've got their fill. They've got an inventory, sometimes dozens of years of inventory. So they're just not in the, in the, in the buy mode when you have that much rock that you're never going to get to. So it's really caused a pretty major issue with private equity backed companies, because now you've built a team and built an infrastructure and, and a group that is about leasing, drilling a couple wells and flipping to now we actually have to make this work. Now we actually have to be cash flow positive. Now we actually have to build a company that's going to return capital to the investors. And that's something that a lot of the investors have, have woken up to in the last two years. We've, when we set up our company, we set it up for a cash flow positive. We're here for a long time. Our, our equity sponsor is really great about that. And, uh, you know, we don't have a three and out flip. We can flip in six months. We can flip in 16 years. And uh, we built a team for the long haul. Now, our skill set such that we can turn around and go horizontal we want to. But a lot of these private equity-backed companies that you read about that are NCAP or NGP-backed aren't set up that way. And, and the skill set of the technical folks that some of those three-and-out type companies are built upon can't get grindy and block and tackle and go out there and execute a plan for the long haul. And so now you're finding some major, major issues within the teams and the portfolio companies to figure out, okay, how do we pivot and how do we become a real cash flow positive company? And, and this is where, you know, the winners are going to win and the losers are going to lose. So I'm curious, Robert, uh, just quickly, I don't want to take us too much off on a tangent, but something that, that I've been ruminating on for, for quite some time, and it doesn't seem to be really being empl employed out in the field in the Permian. Um, it, you know, it seems to me that it would make a lot of sense for some of these private equity backed mineral buyers that have, 
large, mostly undeveloped positions to JV, you know, JV with an operator and bring that operation in-house under the private equity, you know, whatever you want to call it, uh, you know, umbrella and, and be a, a fully stacked. So you buy the minerals or you lease the minerals, and then you bring in the operator. So you have control over, you know, your horizons and you have control over your, your cash flow, et cetera. And you can poke, you know, as many holes in the ground as you want to as a buying up acreage around one of these majors. And like you said, I mean, you know, if you're buying up around like a Chevron or Exxon, I mean, those guys have dozens of years of, of inventory to drill through. And so who knows when they're actually going to get to that position. Do you, do you see that or what do you, what would you say to that? So you, you, you said an interesting word and you're talking about minerals, you know, minerals and non-operated assets are something that can be a thorn in an operated company's side. And that's something that I'm seeing a lot of several independent horizontal drillers uh, take note of, and they're trying to shed the non-operated assets and the mineral assets. And the reason for that is because you still have to deploy capital dollars into that, but wouldn't you want to deploy capital dollars in, in projects that you control and operate. And so um, most of the private equity companies aren't gonna set up a top to bottom full value chain company from operations to minerals to royalties, et cetera. They're gonna focus on what they do best. Most of the time when you're meeting with these capital equities or private equity sponsors, they want you to, they wanna back a team that knows what they're doing and they're good at this one thing. So they're just not set up to be good at royalties, set up at minerals, set up at operations set up on shale, set up on, on conventional. So I think, I, I know where your, where your mind's at, but that's gonna be something that's gonna be left to more, more patient capital and, and more flexible capital. And that's not something some of these, these companies are, are willing to do. Let me ask you this, Robert, and I've, I've talked about this before, and I'm, I don't think I've, if I've asked you, I don't remember your answer, so I'm asking you here. Uh, one of the things I've theorized, especially for like the Permian is, over the next you know five to ten years, we're going to see more of the Exxons, the Chevrons, because they're in a better position to not only hold the acreage, to pipe it, and to refine it. Um, do you think we will see a true, I know you said these companies aren't set up for that, but do you think that maybe Wall Street will come in and put a little pressure and say, you know what, guys, you need to diversify, or you need to have better partnerships to pipe the product, not just, not just get it out the ground, because if you could have that, you can have a different business model that you can work with other producers as well. I think that's what the majors were founded upon, right? The reason the majors became majors is because through acquisitions and divestitures, they picked up um, assets, midstream assets, downstream assets. And I think that's how, if you look at the history and you read uh, the prize and see how other companies were formed, that's essentially how things came to be and how companies became fully integrated. And uh, that, they're going to continue to do that. But if you really look at companies like Chevron, Exxon, so on and so forth, Shell, BP, they're international companies. And so all their projects across the globe are competing for capital dollars. And I'll be honest with you, uh, several of those other projects in overseas are much more lucrative and much higher return than what we're doing here with shale oil. You know, one of our investors was, we, we had a conversation last year when people were just putting holes in the ground and going horizontal. And, and he says, Robert, how, how are these people making money? And, you know, I ran a couple of models and a couple of traps and it's like, I'm not understanding how they're making it either. I think it's just, scale right and, and again some of it it's okay let's get a mix of exxon and it's flipped but that's not here anymore i don't think that's going to happen you, you tell me okay um so let, let's let's sit back here we talked about the uniqueness of the market and, and things like that um one of the things i'm curious about is i'm sure because you work for an emp company a lot of people want to get in your door and they want to talk to you and to your staff um let's walk through how do you guys view the cold calls, the people dropping off packets. Um, what advice for folks like Ben and myself um, would you say, hey, if you're wanting to be in this market, you want to be a, a closer, a deal maker, a mover shaker, whatever, 
um, open behind the doors and say, "This is these are the do's, these are the don'ts." At least for uh, where you've been, and we we didn't even cover your impressive backstory. So you've worked at some pretty impressive companies. Ran out of propane? No need to drive to the store when you can get propane delivery straight to your door with Cinch. C Y N C H. Cinch brings the tanks to you. It's easy and convenient propane home delivery. Here's how it works. Go to cinch.com, that's C-Y-N-C-H.com. Enter your zip code, select your delivery date, and drop off location. It's really that easy. Just set your used tank out for pickup the night before your delivery, and Cinch handles the rest. There's no ongoing commitment when you try Cinch, and they accept any and all tank brands for exchange. Not a Cinch customer yet? What are you waiting for? New customers can get their first propane tank exchange for just $10 with promo code TANK10 at checkout. That's cynch.com, promo code TANK10. Turn up the heat this summer with Cinch, ridiculously easy propane grill tank home delivery. Limited time offer, restrictions apply. Visit cynch.com slash offer for details. So um, just kind of you know, pull the curtain back for a second, if you will. Well, like the other day you came by with Chick-fil-A. That was well-received. That seemed to open the door just fine, didn't it? <laughs> that worked, yes. Chick-fil-A, Chick-fil-A works. <laughs> well, you know, you're right. We do get a lot of uh, a lot of contact, a lot of emails, a lot of cold, cold calls. But you know what? Quite frankly, you know, cold calls, you got to do that sometimes. That's, when I was out raising equity, that's, that's what I had to do. They didn't know me from Adam. And, and I had to get in the door and explain them, essentially sell yourself. So I, I, I sympathize with folks to do that. You know, I could never sell anything. Uh, it's a tough, tough way to do it, but Ryan a lot of times, not just you. <laughs> dropping in unannounced is probably not a good thing. You know, we do get a couple of folks that do that. They'll show up and, and, and unannounced. However, I will say if you want to get them out of there to at least say hello and exchange cards, sometimes showing up with, with something, you know, some cookies, you know, you, you got to at least go out and say thank you and, and, and make contact with that person. So I've seen that to be probably the best way to do it. What, what I do see also here recently over the last six months, it really irks me, and, and I highly recommend you don't do this, is we get an email from someone that says, hey, I've reached out to you a few times. You haven't responded. Just want to see if you're interested in talking. I go back and search my emails, and I've never heard from this guy. So I see more and more people doing something like that. That's a little, it's a little so, excessive. Let me cut in real quick there. So what you're saying is um, it's not so much that you, you mind someone saying, hey, I've sent you two or three emails, you haven't responded. It's that they actually haven't sent two or three emails, and you go back to verify it, then they're just a liar. They're, 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 trying, they're, they're trying to cut in line almost, because you, you might be sympathetic to someone who's been working the angle for a few months, but if you haven't, you, you, it's almost like, hey, we're starting on false pretenses here. Right, and, and that's actually happened. But you know what? I think people are people, and, and you know you, you put yourself in the other folks' shoes, and you try to be reasonable. And uh, you know I, take, I used to take every single phone call, every single email, but you know we just we're just out of time. You know we don't have a lot of time like we used to. And, and I may be speaking for myself, but um, at least you know they're human beings. They're trying to make a living. At least offer them the courtesy or an answer or a response. Hey, I'm not interested at this time. Uh, even on LinkedIn, you know the same same type of deal. Yeah, absolutely. No, Robert, I think that's a really good point. And uh, Ryan, I don't know if you've seen that, but I've seen I've actually seen an uptick in that as well. Um, of, of kind of cutting the line to the, the hey, we, we haven't gotten to you, so we're just going to start, but not no, actually doing the... Explicitly what Robert said about yeah. getting, you know, getting an email and saying, hey, I've reached out to you two or three times, you know, I want to talk about X, you know, uh, where, where are we? And, you know, and just like Robert, I'm sure is, and you're the same, I've got a pretty good log of, of you know, who I'm connected or you know, who I've interfaced with and who I've had conversations with. You know, maybe I don't remember every minute detail, but I'm certainly going to remember if I've contacted somebody, right? right? 
and, and to not hear, you know, and then to, you know, basically you're putting it on me that I haven't engaged when you're, you know, just kind of trying to open the door. Uh, and, and so, yeah, I mean, I think that's just a respect of time thing more than anything else. And uh, Robert, uh, just to circle back, I mean, uh, I think my only comment really to that is we talked, Ryan and I talked about it earlier on the podcast. Um, and I don't know if you, I don't know if you listened to, to the first episode, but I think I briefly talked about it on the first episode as well. But I, uh, I learned something early in my sales career. I'm always tuned into a radio station called WIIFM, What's In It For Me. And what I mean by that is whenever I'm talking to somebody, whether it be an external or internal stakeholder, I'm always trying to you know, think through the, through the prism of whatever that other person's context is, uh, context is with the conversation and, and bring value to them in that light. And so when someone you know, comes at me in, in that way and says, hey, I've tried to reach out to you two, three times, uh, you know, uh, what's going on and, and they haven't, you know, that, that just is completely, di- you know, diametrically opposed to that, you know, to that mentality, I guess you'd say. And so that's like, even in addition to that, if, you know, if you're going to talk to me and, and you're, or if you're going to try to interface with me, you know, treat me with respect and, 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 you know, let, let's start the relationship organically, you know, cause if you just try to beat the door down, I don't know about you, Robert, but, but if somebody is overly aggressive and, and, you know, and sometimes it's just as simple as someone will call me, we'll have a conversation and then I'll get, you know, 10 follow-up emails in two weeks, you know, sometimes it's just a little bit too much and you kind of got to read the room. I mean, what do you think about that? Well, you know, here's the thing is that I spent a lot of my career on the service side. So I've been on, on the wrong end of a butt chewing before. And I understand how, what it's like to go out there with a client that's just too, too busy to make time. And it's got too many things going on. And I don't want to say be persistent, but be respectful of their time. You know, if they say no or no, thank you. Not this time. Then that means no, thank you. Not this time, you know, um, I don't know what else to say about that other than, uh, you know, one final thing on that. If you really want people to answer your phone calls and, and, and make some time, be the best at what you do. Offer a service or a product that's exceptional and best in class. If you can do that, they're going to be calling you. Trust me, I make some phone calls every day too, and it's I need something, and I need you to help me with this. And so be the best at it and get the word out. One other way that works pretty well is too is find out who they're connected to and see if they can make an introduction. That always works as well. Let me ask you this, Robert. So, um, how do you evaluate? You know, you guys at Titan Rock. You, you can. I'm sure you kind of have. This is your your core area. This is what you're looking to do. Um, I know you'll have a couple of other little small business units that you're that you're deploying and looking at. But um, someone does get with you. They do meet that meeting. You talk about being the best that you do. But how do you balance that when saying, you know what? I finally got a meeting with someone like Robert Martinez. I want to make sure that I want to pitch X to him because we talked about. But I also, I have other things that might be of value to him. How do you handle, how should people, in your opinion, handle that where they, they bring you in the, the, the most respectful amount of time possible, the main thing, but also don't let you miss out on something else that they might have that is of, that is a value. So that's a, that's a tough question. The reason is because everyone's different. You know, there's you remember these personality tests that they make you take to determine what kind of person. And every person responds differently to that. Some people want the social aspect, talk, how you where you from, tell me about your background. Some people want you to just get to the point. And so it just depends on who you're dealing with and what they're interested in. If you're coming in with a with a superior product or something that really makes sense. Um, then it should be a problem. Like, for example, I get a lot of requests for uh, SEO support for our website to help us get our product up. Well, we don't sell a product. So it doesn't really do anything for us. Know that before you walk in, you know, those, that kind of stuff. Okay. Um, 
you've been in the business for, we won't date you here. We'll say a few years. <laughs> you've been in the business. You've worked for beer companies. Now you work for a private equity held company. It's, it's, I hate to say smaller because it says a negative connotation, but you know that's not what I mean at all. I, I respect what you guys do. You've worked with engineers, land people, uh, big money folks, small money folks. In your opinion, what makes the people who succeed in this business long term, and what are the ones that you see that they 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 can last through a shell boom and then they're out? So uh, walk us through that. What what makes us be successful in this industry? So the technical abilities first and foremost. You know, I think if you're going to make money in this business, you need to understand and know what you're doing. I mean, bottom line is, do you know what you're doing? Execution. Uh, secondly, integrity and character. I mean, those are major major things. Do what you say you're going to do, come through on the deal. Um, Those kind of things are important when you're, when you're trying to build a reputation as an operating company, one, you better know what you're doing on the ground. You better know how to execute. And if you don't know what you're doing, find someone who does. And secondly, come through when you're sitting there talking to someone and you, and you put your hand on the table and say, if we get this done, we got a deal or not follow through on that. And so I think those are the primary things, but honestly, the, 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 the fundamental uh, aspect of a successful company is its people. No question about it. Wells come and go, fields come and go, shale comes and goes. But if you got great people and they, they want to be there and want to show up every day, you're going to succeed because there's a lot of trust there. There's a lot of expertise there and there's, and there's a lot of t- integrity and character. So I think having the right folks is going to be what, what makes or breaks you. Too many times you get some people that start out great. And they build a team around them and, and some folks fall off the wagon or just aren't, aren't in it for the same reasons that you are and things kind of go sideways. But trust and, and good, solid people are the key. So, Nate, um, if you're listening to this, those last 90 seconds, that's the, that's the 90 seconds that we need to cut out of this episode. So you did an okay job last time, but, but that, that, Robert, that was phenomenal. I, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> um, that, that's, I, I think it's so important for people to grasp that because I think, and I don't want to be long-winded, so I'm going to cut to a couple of different points I wanted to make. Number one, I think it's so important that what you said about, you know, if you don't have the answer, reach out or talk to somebody that does, because there are people in this industry that are willing and able and, and you know, ready to help, you know, in, in those capacities. And if you don't have the answers, but you maybe have the connections, there's ways to kind of bridge the gap. Uh, and then also I wanted to quickly address something that you said uh, just a couple minutes ago about uh, being, you know, best in class or, or, or uh, you know, being, bringing the most value. Um, and I think really what that comes down to for me, but you know, if you, if you have a product that you firmly believe in with all, with everything and it, you, you know, the technical side is right and it's priced correctly and you're, you know, you're presenting the, uh, the right product in the market. I would argue that that those three things kind of get the sales job done for you. Right. And so you should be able to, if, you know, if you have the conviction in your product that it truly is the best, like you mentioned, it should be kind of reversed. You know, the service companies or sorry, the, uh, the, uh, the clients should be reaching out to you and saying, Hey, you know, I've heard that you're the best in show we're, you know, we're doing this, let's talk, as opposed to having the salesperson have to beat every single door down and go door to door. And I'm not saying that people doing that and going door to door, I'm not saying that that's a bad model. I'm not saying that there's not a lot of value to that. I guess my only point is, you know, if you've done a lot of the front load work at the company, I should say, has done a lot of the front load work to make sure that the product or service that they're providing truly is the best on the market, that in and of itself should be the marketing plan and the sales tactic. And you should have a lot more focus or you should have a lot more traction coming inward. I mean, would you agree with that? 
Yeah, absolutely. One of the things that, that I get over the years um, is a lot of vendors coming in, selling us a bundle package, much like you get from your telecom companies for your internet, uh, you know, televisions, phone and all of that. And so we get frack, wireline, coil tube in, all try to bundle it. And my comment to them was this. I said, look, if your product, let's just say, for example, wireline was the best in class, we would already been using it. If your frack product was the best in class, we'd already been using it. So you're selling me what I want, which let's just say a frack that you're throwing in wireline and cold tubing. Maybe I don't want that wireline cold tubing. If they were best in class, I would have been using it. So I think that's one of the things that they try to do. But one other thing that I'd like to, to note that on what you just talked about was one way to keep, uh, keep the business going with a company you're working for is to be an extension of your client. You know, some of my best service companies are companies that I, that I have trust with and that I know that they're going to basically be looking out for our best interest and they're going to be an extension of me looking over that area as if I was doing it. And, and sometimes that, that goes opposite of what uh, their directives from their management team are. I mean, they're in the business of selling more chemicals. And so when they cut back the chemicals because it's the right thing to do, we notice that. And so be an extension of your client and, and almost like if you're a, a, an employee of that client and you're going to find that things are going to get much, much easier and doors are going to open much easier than well, and, and Robert, I think part of the reason you're, you're seeing that with some of your vendors is is that you are someone who does have integrity and you can't be trusted. Whereas if you, some clients that you know, they don't, you can't necessarily trust them to be the extension of them. And that, that's what makes it hard because they may not always be upfront with you. So I think you have probably earned that reputation where your vendors can um, can feel comfortable to have an open exchange with you. And that's that's hard to do. It, it is. And like I said, I've been a vendor before. It's a, it's a tough life. And, uh, you know, you just, it just goes back to what I teach my kids. You got to believe in the golden rule. And, and it's the same thing with employees. And when you're managing people, you know, the people that came to work for me, they didn't have to come to work for me. You know, I spent some time with them. I've known them. They've worked with me before. There's trust. They know what they're getting and they know that we got the right attitude and we're going to do things the right way. And, and so when you have that kind of mindset, people want to come to work for you. Um, you know, it's not always fun. And when you're, when you're going through some tough times, that's what kind of gets you through that. Well, I know we are up against the clock here. You have been gracious with your time and would love to get you on before NAEP as um, we go through the end of this year, get ready, maybe a pre-NAEP kind of breakdown, maybe kind of nerd out for maybe an hour or two. <laughs> I don't know how long we can get you, but nerd out for a little bit longer on what's going on and what's changed between, we got summer NAEP, which is two weeks away, but the big NAEP's coming um, in February. And so we'd love to get you maybe just after the new year, right before NAEP, um, cut out a little bit of time if you're, if you're available to break down for our listeners, because this has been fantastic. And you, you've done something, just, and I appreciate this, um, you have done something that a lot of EMP guys won't do, which is get out there and speak honestly to folks who are like me and Ben. And um, these are the questions that we, we want to know all the time because, you know, when you're in an environment, as you say, as you're in a vendor, you're trying to sell, you're trying to convince, you're trying to make a deal happen. You're always wondering, what is it they want to know? What is it they want to hear? How do I, because let's be real here, all three of us, what we don't want to do is spend a bunch of time on things that are useless. So we don't want to spend a bunch of time talking about things that, that get us nowhere or going, if, you know, if, if someone doesn't like going to lunch, we don't want to go to lunch with them. We if you just want to do coffee, let's do coffee, what, whatever it is. Um, however that works, we always want to tune into that and that helps out us and it helps out you as well. So I really do appreciate it because a lot of folks aren't always willing to talk. No, I appreciate that. I'll tell you one thing that would be nice if we get a chance to talk before the next night here in February, uh, there's going to be a lot of changes this fall. With the market, you know, the bank determinations are going to change. There's a lot of noise uh, that I'm hearing right now from bank engineers. And you're going to see that there's it's going to be a different environment more than likely this fall than going into NAEP. So I'm curious well, to I, see how things shake out. 
I said, Nate, because I didn't want to impose on your schedule. You were welcome to come on before, Nate, um, if you want to come on in a few months. The, we, we, we will have you on as often as you want to come on. I just didn't want to superimpose on your schedule. I was trying to be respectful of your time, as you mentioned earlier, so I didn't want to, <laughs> didn't want to superimpose that. Well, Robert, anything else that you want to get out there? Um, I don't know if you've got any. I know you've written technical papers before for SPE. I know you do some presentations sometimes. Um, I don't know if you have anything going on like that right now, so if there is, or plug, promote. Feel free to say that right now so folks can know um, anything that you want them to know about yourself or your company. We're not selling or plugging anything. We're trying to acquire. So at this point, you know, we're looking pretty heavily at different assets and we're, we're pretty busy, but we're growing as a company. And so, if you know, if anybody wants to sell producing assets, we'll be all over that. You know, we don't have any geographic restrictions and uh, we're chasing all the deals just like everybody else is. Well, it sounds like on that note, Ben and I will be putting together an email to send over to you. <laughs> <laughs> My ears perked up a little bit at the end there. <laughs> well, Robert, it's been great to talk to you. Enjoyed getting to see you Friday. And I think we have uh, a meeting out in the next couple of weeks. I'll swing by and chat. And uh, thank you so much for doing this. It's been good getting over the past year. And uh, I will say this, one of the nicest guys I've met in the industry, uh, Ben, I don't think I told you this. So the first time we exchanged uh, a text, he reached in through our, our text line. And then the next thing I know, he went and bought my lunch at the Dallas Petroleum Club. So that's the kind of guy he is. So, But you, I but do. you didn't tell him why I reached out, right? Well, well, let's, let's not talk about that online. <laughs> <laughs> There sounds like there's a story there. I'm looking forward to hearing that. Well, it's just going back to being honest and open, right? I just had yeah. I said, Ryan, I said, Ryan, no, we got to talk here. You don't know who well, I am, but. No, and I, I'll, I'll tell it real quick. He sent a note and he said, uh, we always ask for listener feedback. He sent a note and he said, hey, you guys, uh, I think it was Text on Guest Podcast. He goes, y'all y'all kind of banter too much and my commute is this long and the beginning and the end is just not enough useful information. I like the middle part. Could you cut that down? And I, I I didn't like it. It hurt. I'm not going to lie. Anytime someone says they don't like stuff, you're always like, but I, but what I said, I think I remember correctly is I appreciate this. Josh and I are going to talk about it. Also, just so you know, we get a lot of feedback on the beginning and end of the show that some people like that the most. And so we, we, we're, we're trying to balance this out. It's really hard, but I think that's what I said back to you. Cause I was trying to be honest as well. And, um, from that it spurned, uh, I think a, a pretty good relationship since then. No, it's been great. Actually, what it was happened is I'd get on the, on the tollway and come down and, uh, and I'd lose the last 20 minutes of your, of your podcast. So I'd be the whole day thinking, what, what did I miss? You know, and I'd have to watch and listen to it on the way back. So. But no, well, it's been great. Thanks for thanks for for uh, for what you guys do. It's a fantastic podcast. You know, I'm a listener of, of two of them, and I think this is going to be the third one. And uh, there we and go. Keep it going. Well, Robert, I will I will say uh, I tell Ryan this pretty consistently that only about two percent of what he actually says is worthwhile. So if you're missing the last twenty minutes, believe me, you you pick the value up. You're you're good. Man. You, I'm good to go. Man, man, it's rough being me. It's lonely at the top, fellas. It's lonely at the top, just so y'all know. <laughs> Thanks for your time, Robert. We appreciate Thank you, guys. it. Appreciate it, guys. Y'all have a great one. You too. And that was, once again, Robert Martinez, president and CEO at Titan Rock Exploration and Production. Ben, top two takeaways. Top two takeaways. Um, I like this uh, a lot better with another guest on, so I don't have to listen to everything. It's not everything you're saying is just directed at me. That you, I get to kind of pass it off to somebody else. Um, no, but uh, no, I, I think uh, I think Robert, what he hit on a couple of things. I mean, if you're going to rewind this podcast and listen to a couple of things, I would rewind back to his answer about the landscape and the market and kind of what's happening. Uh, Cause I, I didn't talk about it. I, I didn't follow up. One of the things that, you know, that, that I think is really important. Uh, we can talk about this at length on another podcast, but I think that the, 
the mineral market, specifically the Permian mineral market, but just the mineral market in general is going to be massively different in what's even six months, maybe 12, maybe 18 months from now. It's going to be unbelievably different from a number of different perspectives. One of them, you know, I've got a hypothesis. And, and again, we can talk about this on another episode because I know we're running out of time here, but I've got a hypothesis that sometime the next year to 18 months, you're going to see about somewhere between four to $7 billion of private equity money that is currently backing some of these mineral buying groups out in the Permian. That's just going to leave the space altogether. They're not going to reinvest somewhere else. They're, they're not going to be looking to, to deploy that capital somewhere else. I think that, I think that there's, a lot of money that that is not getting nearly the return on investment they were expecting and so i'm expecting a lot of these funds to just go belly up completely and and move out of the space and have you know fire sale of assets and i don't mean fire sale in terms of pennies on the dollar i just mean getting out you know getting the assets sold to as quickly as they can and moving out of the space and i know that's pretty aggressive and i know that people i'm sure people are going to listen to that on the podcast and i might get some messages about that good or bad, but, but I'm pretty, I'm pretty convinced on my, or I'm pretty, my conviction on that is pretty high. Uh, and so that's something I'm kind of bracing for impact on. Okay. Yeah. And just real quick, you know, um, slight apology to Robert here. He had, it was impressive. He had like pages of notes he wanted to go over. We just ran out of time and, and we didn't want to, you know, when, when we were booking a guest like Robert, he's so busy. We wanted to keep him in a limited window. And uh, so apologies to Robert. We didn't get to everything that he, because he did, man. He had, I mean, saw he was pulled up pages of stuff that he wanted to to break down some of the deals. And uh, so anyways, so, so thank you, Robert. And sorry, we didn't get to that. We'll and Ryan, back if, on. You, if you'd like to take a couple weeks off, we can, we can put Ro- uh, Robert in the chair and uh, see how that goes. Robert and I, no, no. Okay. Sorry. I mean, I mean, you know, I didn't mean it. I was just kidding. Yeah. Wow. You know, I, I just, I continue to be the whipping boy of this show, and uh, that's that's the new name. Bring in the whipping boy. You know, just it is just yeah, it's just tough. It's just tough. Uh, anything else that you learned from Robert today? I mean, I know you know it all, but maybe you learned something. I, no, I, le- I learned a ton. I'm, I'm going to be listening to that podcast again. I, I, I thought that was a really great conversation, and I'm looking forward to having him on again. Uh, you know, either either back into this year or around Nate. Uh, I think he, you know, be, he's a great guest. Welcome anytime for sure. It's crazy. A bum like me knows a guy like that. I know it's just insane. Um, ben, top twenty podcast all time. Top twenty. I mean, you can't say it enough. It doesn't happen overnight, Ryan. I mean, come on. Well, it doesn't. You're right. You're right. You're right. Um, no, I thought it was great. Robert's super knowledgeable. And hopefully, you know, we've said this before, listeners, if you, you know, you do deals or you're in the market, um, we'd love to get you on. We'd love to get on a lot more guys like Robert as well, because, you know, it, it's, it's kind of a, it's kind of a thing that all people in the business, we always want to know, what do they think about stuff? How are they looking at stuff? Because when you're going to pitch and something he said is, um, you know, being respectful of their time and, you know, pitching it the right way and things like that. And, and I, I, I agree fully but the other thing is, is you want to know how do they want to be pitched? Do they want you to come in and, and you know sit around and bring in breakfast? Do they want you to to call them? We were talking earlier about how to get people who you can't get on the phone. Do you text them? And so um, now what Robert says doesn't apply to everyone, and he even said it himself. But it is good just to make sure that your tool belt is full of the right tools, um, so you can deploy them for the right person. So to bring this home a little bit for the people listening, um, and I don't want to over promote the value that Ryan and I have necessarily. But this is a good example. Can, can you do that? Can you actually overpromote it? I don't think you can. I don't know, but I'm not going to try. Um, <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. I'm not sure. You tell me after I say what I'm about to say. I don't know. Um, 
if you're listening to the podcast today and you are familiar with Titan Rock, or maybe you look on their website and you see what, you know, what areas they're interested in, and you think you have a deal or you have access to a deal that you think Titan Rock uh, would be interested in reviewing, my suggestion to you is, yes, given what Robert just said, you could pick up the phone or you could email him directly and you, know, you may get a response. Given what he said today, you'll likely get a response. What I would tell you, though, is if you bring that deal or that prospect to Ryan and I and let us do our due diligence on it first, as an example, it doesn't need to be Ryan and I, but this is just kind of painting a picture. But if you were to bring the deal to Ryan and I and let us do the due diligence first and get it under you know, get, get it so that you, uh, that Ryan and I understand it. We could then walk you into the door at Titan rock, knowing how Robert likes to be spoken to, knowing how he likes to see deals, knowing how, knowing how they like to transact. And that in and of itself it is the value that I think Ryan and I have been talking about time and time again on these podcasts, because yeah, yes, you could walk into that door. You could find their address on Google and, and go knock on the door. Uh, and you may or may not get a good response, but I would argue that the value of having somebody that's, you know, that's in the door already that knows how those deals go down is massively valuable. And so if you do have something that you think that Titan Rock may want to take a look at, please reach out to Ryan and I. Uh, you, obviously, you can reach out to Robert directly as well. But, you know, if there's a way that we can help, we'd love to do it. Did I overpromote? Was that? Well, yeah. And I, I would just say like this is that most of the things that Ben and I work on, um, if we're having to work on them together, it's because one of us has a deficiency in our network or our expertise or something like that. And, and so I get, work, I get to work on deals with you. What do you mean? Have to, that's, that's rough, man. I mean, I was you trying to be nice. Today. Huh? What? I said, you came out firing today. Whew. I, I thought that was, I was trying to be as nice as I could there. I didn't know. But anyways, if, wow. but I, <laughs> it wasn't it was a slide. I don't even know what I said now. Cut that from the tape, Nate, and play it at two speed. Uh, no, I think my point is is that part of what you're getting at is if you go back to what one of the things that Robert said, and this, again, I don't, I don't think this is a self-promotion. This is a general tip. You look at what Robert said. He said, hey, um, you know, how do we get in your door? And he talked about, you know, how he used to try to do these things, and, you know, he, you know we all sympathize with that. Um, you know, it's a lot easier to partner with someone who has that proper network. And one of the things we're talking about, and we'll get into future episodes, is is actually creating this type of referral network um, because it's a lot easier if Ben can introduce me to someone to get a deal done than calling, calling, taking chicken biscuits, dropping off a packet, you know, all that stuff. And so um, I don't think that's an overpromotion. I think that's just a reality if they're, you know, and, and so, um, yeah, so I would agree with that. Um, anything else, Ben, before we get out of here today? I would like to thank you for the Rangers tickets in lieu of the Chick-fil-A. I think I won that deal. Man. Oh, Man. sorry, Robert. Yeah. Now, 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 thanks. Thanks. Well, hold on. Assuming Robert hasn't ended his commute and he's already in the office and not listening to this part. Oh God. Yeah, that's true. But, Man, well, I'll be taking Robert to a to a Rangers game. It looks like now. Thanks, thanks a lot, Ben. And you went fishing, and he didn't go fishing either. So I didn't oh, say that. I know, but now I'm just confessing. Now it's just it's just coming out of me. So hey, Nate, if you if you have that picture of the fish that Will caught, can you put that up and superimpose? No, it? good lord, no, 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 no. Okay, well, we we we've berated Ryan. We've talked about Ben's 0.09 percent close rate enough for this episode. We will be back here next week. Do we have a guest, Ben, next week? I know you mentioned it offline, and if you don't, that's fine. I'm just curious. Are we having a guest next week? Waiting to confirm. Okay. Okay. Might have a guest next week. If you want to be a guest, you want to comment, question, concern, 
bringingtheclosures.com is where you can send in those notes. You can connect with Ben and I on LinkedIn. That will be in the show notes, 682-422-4105. You can send a text or voicemail. Ben, did I miss anything on ways that folks can connect with us there? As always, you killed it. You, I you killed it. it. I've never swung at a pitch I didn't hit. And until next time, keep climbing. Hi, I'm Pete. I'm an IT manager. Today, I want to talk about... Pete, heads up. We've been hacked. What happened? My password is my birthday. Everyone knows that. February 14th. Why would everyone... I don't get how these people figure this stuff out. I think I do. Have you ever updated it? Yes. I changed it to Valentine's Day. Okay. We're protected with connection security services. You just got to be more careful, Pete. Okay. Yep. For hardware, software, support, and empathy. For Pete's sake, connect with connection. Here's to getting back together, to planned lunches and unplanned cookouts, to grandma's recipes and smells that take us back, to passing down plates and traditions. Here's to warm embraces and familiar faces, to your best friends becoming best friends, to scheming, dreaming, and food still steaming. Here's to laughter and love, to growing closer than ever, for all of life's get-togethers. Chinette, here's to us.